1: Of The Last Felony, Ion Dissonance, and Cryptopsy, there is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! Welcome back to Fly on the Call, candid conversations on music. Today's guest is Partner, who released their sophomore album, Never Give Up, at the end of last year. Never Give Up is full of shredding, classic rock tropes turned on their heads, and a whole lot of fun. That fun is the most important part for Partner. It's a core value of their music both for the members themselves and, they hope, for their audience. This conversation hits on that, how they keep things light despite the state of the world, humor as a seed of songwriting, learning to turn your vision into reality, and more. Before we hop into the interview, I just want to give a quick reminder that Fly on the Call is currently running a giveaway to celebrate 500 followers on Twitter and help spread the word of Intransitive. Intransitive is an Arkansas-based trans-led organization seeking to create brave spaces for trans people and offer financial assistance to those in emergency situations. Entry is free, and everyone who enters will receive a fly-on-the-call sticker, pin, and or keychain. There are also three prize packs with merch from The One Gears, Origami Angel, Pentimento, and Grey Matter. I'll be matching any donations made to Intransitive, and so far we've raised $100 together. Check the links in the show notes for full details, and here is my conversation with partner. I feel like Never Give Up kind of reads like a, a love album to rock music as a whole and I'm curious uh, if you could talk a little bit just about kind of what role you see rock music playing in music in 2021 and kind of like where you see partner fitting within that as well. That's a good question. Um, Lucy?
2: Um, I feel like I actually have no idea where rock music is going so I think we kind of just wanted to throw this out there as like Um, a signal if anyone else wants to pick up what we're putting down. Um, We're throwing out our love letter to rock music and people seem to be responding to it. So yeah, it's anyone's guess where rock music goes, you know?
0: (laughs) Yeah, maybe that pendulum will swing back.
2: In the classic Um, rock territory?
0: In
1: the classic rock, (laughs) (laughs) yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely like really interesting the way you kind of turn some of the the classic rock conventions on their head, you know, on songs like rock is my rock or big gay hands. Um, can you talk a little bit about that and kind of like, you know, bring a kind of lens to rock music that hasn't necessarily always been there?
2: Yeah, well, like, it's really, really easy to turn classic rock on its head because all you have to do is be a woman or gay um, or not, you know, not a cis hat man um, singing about, like, whatever the fuck. So, like, we just be ourselves and have riffs and then... Ta-da. It's pretty much, right? Like, I feel like we don't like over overthinking or anything.
1: There is kind of like a lot of, you know, hopping around and genre blending to keep people on their toes as well. And I'm I'm curious, like during the writing process, kind of what, what is that discovery process like for you? Kind of like finding all those little paths to go down.
0: Yeah. I mean, we love to, we love to keep it fresh, like for, for ourselves, for the creative process. And we usually like our, we discovered our new motto is um, to generate foolish excitement. So anything that makes us laugh or that we're like, uh, you know, keep singing over and over like, I my
2: rock or something like
0: that, you know, whatever just like kind of sparks joy, I guess to borrow.
2: (laughs) To borrow from Maria.
0: And yeah. And we're, we're like, we're really passionate about, I think songs and good songwriting in general. So we're always kind of, that's kind of always the philosophy that's been behind everything we make. It just happens to most often come out in a rock, a rock way, but we do listen to a lot of pop in different genres.
1: Yeah. I mean, can you talk a little bit more about kind of that, that following of your bliss, because I feel like that's not, that's something that not every artist does, (laughs) but it's very evident in your music.
0: (laughs) I couldn't imagine not, you know, that's like, it's the, that's the most intoxicating part, right? Like, I think we always. have no
2: patience for like boring songs. (laughs) Or
0: being bored or, you know, we'd rather do anything um, than repeat ourselves I guess in a sense like um not that we don't ever repeat ourselves but that like I think that if we were to just do you know what feels safe or whatever we'd have be really restless and like you know unfulfilled so it's got to keep like exploring all the time
1: and And what does that exploration end up end up looking like for you like listening to new stuff or like kind of experimenting with instrumentation like what what kind of paths do you end up going down um lots of like
0: I love listening to new music and like or like not necessarily like what's just been released, but stuff that's new to new to me and um just like a lot of um yeah, a lot of
1: YouTube. <laughs>
2: YouTube really influences our music I would say yeah. <laughs> like it's like the internet and stuff really influences our music the stuff that we like end up being exposed to by the algorithm or our music
0: and like anything that's like um anything you can tell that you know that any song that is really you know crafted with a lot of heart and a lot of you know that always ends up speaking to us so we'll just listen to it over and over once we get hooked and then
1: (laughs) for sure yeah and I mean you mentioned earlier kind of like the the craft of songwriting being something that you're very much into how do you kind of tend to you know approach your songwriting
2: um I think it's like well like lately we've been really experimenting with like trying to like do all these different new things like um to like we've 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 written songs in like a lot of different ways but like Our traditional ways like we have like a concept or like a lyric that we like and we kind of like build it around that Um, but we're always like trying to find new ways to like um, to be inspired
0: yeah usually it's what makes us laugh like usually we're in a room with a guitar and we talk we talk a lot like usually comes out of our conversations and then they'll like usually Lucy will say something and I'm like I love that like
2: (laughs) (laughs) that's a song yeah and if we both just like start laughing and singing like sometimes we just will say something and then we start singing it in the, a, a voice together, and then that like determines the genre. It's like, oh, I guess the song sounds <laughs> is like, is like the Eagles because that's how we sang it, or whatever.
1: <laughs> nice. And as far as kind of like past that initial stage, like what does your your honing in of the songs tend to look like?
0: Totally. Um We're like we're really obsessed with like being efficient. We're really obsessed with i guess like the pop form format and like really paring it down and having like um the sections blend blend together you know as best as they can so usually we just put a lot of th- a lot of thought i guess into like narrowing narrowing down like the best way to to move forward with the like
1: the little we call them scraps of joy
2: yeah scraps <laughs> of joy <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, I I love that. Um and I, I feel like the kind of like shredding guitar is one of the things that really makes Partners stand out. Um, <laughs> I, I'm curious kind of like how you kind of fell into that style and you know what what was kind of the the music that got you into that kind of stuff and helped you develop those chops.
0: Totally. Um what my dad um I think he decided pretty early on that like a really good way for me to make it in life would be solo solos. <laughs> learning how to do solos, so he really like encouraged encouraged that and um I think one of like the most influential things was having um a Jimi Hendrix like tab book after I figured out that most everything was tuned down half a step about a year later I just kind of like took it and ran with it and so like I was playing a lot of Jimi Hendrix and like slash stuff and um david gilmore stuff and like all this like my dad was like a huge influence
2: <laughs> so- he's been like this good like for the last at least 10 years i can verify like, <laughs> i mean you've only gotten better but you've never not been really good
1: yeah i my dad very much got me started on i i, I owe two things to my parents country music which was kind of like the the same that, that was kind of what they both agreed on and then my dad was very much uh like alice cooper queen's greatest yeah. hits and like Sgt. <laughs> peppers those were like the the kind of big three for for the car rides with him
0: yeah the alice cooper for sure for sure
1: <laughs> which i mean especially as the alice cooper band like that was just one hit album after another after the other yeah they're great. And I mean, with with the music being so kind of like well produced and arranged, um, I'm curious what, what was kind of like the recording process like for Never Give Up and kind of like as you've been, you know, starting the new phase of music, how has that kind of changed for you with uh, obviously with, with the pandemic constrictions as well?
0: Yeah, totally. Well, I think that when we like there was some big changes In the band at the end of our first album cycle and lucy and i kind of found ourselves back together again just her and her and i and um she was like playing drums with her feet and playing bass and i was playing playing guitar and like the songs just started like popping out like all the the scraps the scraps of joy were coming out we were rehearsing for doing shows as a two-piece and then it we had got all their ideas and then we were like okay like then the pressure was on to kind of like get it all up and running and um that process like it took for, for what felt like forever what do you think loose
2: oh yeah but like as far as the actual recording like it was definitely different because our first album we wrote it over the course of like three freaking years and then recorded it without really knowing much about being in a like professional studio so it was like a giant learning curve and then the second album we already knew kind of our way around the studio. And like, we had like pretty solid ideas, but we kind of like, we left maybe like 20% of the composition like till we were in the studio. And like, that was cool because I think it kind of gave it like a fresh feeling. But like, we also weren't pressured because we had all these ideas. And we recorded with Steve Chaley at PAL Sound. And he's like a really great engineer because he's just kind of like extremely knowledgeable. He's worked with all different genres of people, which was great for us because we like to be all over the place and he really just lets us do our own thing like he just like trusts and like um enables like enables and like you know makes it work really well but it's like yeah like he just definitely seemed to really be like a great person for us to work with
0: and also like we recorded the the beds basically so like in the studio we did drum beds bass and rhythm guitar and then basically took it home and kept working on it in between tours. And so I was doing a lot of arranging um and in part inventing just like kind of from from home and that's kind of where it all kind of like started you know becoming becoming what it the final product. And then Chris Shaw um he mixed everything that we've ever released. So I could felt like I could send him whatever and he would make sure everything was in the, its right place and and all that, as long as I was like, you know, making sure that there was enough excitement in the moments, you know, I knew that. Uh,
2: like sound effects and stuff. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: nice. Yeah. And I mean, you mentioned kind of like some of the the learning curve that happened with the first album, how it prepared you better for this one. Um, what were some of those kind of like lessons that that you learned in studio? I would say the number
0: one is like, get it right at the source you know, um, just basically not knowing what you can change at what point in the process, like was, you know, a big question mark for us at the, especially for speaking for myself, was like, oh, well, what's it going to sound like once it's mixed, you know, is it going to sound like that? Or, you know, and like dialing in tones and that confidence and being like, you know, okay, no, no, no. Like, let's go this direction. And like, I think it was just like sometimes like if you if you don't know it's just kind of like other people's kind of impression of what should be going on kind of you know takes up uh, ends up leading things so I think yeah just not knowing how to ex- express um what we were going for with that kind of confidence
2: yeah and even things like you know time management like knowing like how to be- make the best use of our time, but yeah, I think the biggest thing we learned is the confidence because like we now know exactly like what we want, or like we knew what we wanted then, but we just didn't know that we were allowed to like say no, this is what we want or whatever, like, and now we do.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, and like people would try their try their best to you know guess what we have in mind, but ultimately like we just have from the beginning such a such a vision of how how everything should sound that like, it, yeah, the, the learning curve of like, just like ex- expressing that, you know, there's so many elements to, that go into it, right? Like
1: so many. Yeah, like that, that kind of finding your confidence that sounds like, um, kind of like, I've heard DIY refer- referred to as decide it yourself instead of do it yourself. And, like, I think that that confidence is kind of, like, the key factor there is, like, knowing how to tell people what you want. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, like,
2: when we were doing, like, in our old bands, when we were making more, like, punk music in our shed, it was, like, easy to tell, like, our friends what, how we wanted it to sound or whatever. But, like, when you get into, like a like, a studio and you're, like, spending money to be there and, like, the people there, like, obviously have more experience in the studio than you and then you're like start to second guess yourself a bit but then exactly we like not second guess ourselves
0: and it's it's so it can be just so hard to tell you know I think it's so much about context and there's no one way to get to a certain tone or to a certain outcome and sometimes you have to really go with like what you've what you're working with and like make like kind of like funny decisions or like off the wall kind of calls and like when people are like casting you know or like I don't know if you can do that or like maybe you shouldn't do that and it's like it's kind of like a science experiment where you're just like well we need to try you know and like I think before we kind of got our our confidence like that push we weren't like able to kind of like push for that experimentation and
1: it's kind of interesting to me like hearing you talk about that because I feel like especially maybe I'm getting this more from like the skits on the first album. I like I'm kind of like thinking like of a you know a little bit of like a contrarian vibe from you. Like, you know, so yeah, could you talk a little bit about like that and kind of like how how that fits into the way you approach the band?
2: Yeah. So I think the skits actually the skits are polarizing, which is one of the things I love about them. Like some people love them, some hate them which it's like, I love that. And like, but I think like, they're more like, they say maybe more than you would think on the surface. Like, obviously, I can totally understand how it's on your shuffle. And you're like, I don't want to hear this shit again next. But like, what we were really trying to show was like, you know, it's like, on the one level, it's like us pretending to ask permission from all these guys. And it's like, but the joke is like, it's up to us, you know, like, and it's like, we're pretending to ask them these ridiculous requests but it's like in all reality if we wanted to do that we would have just done it and like I think I don't know I stand by the fact that it shows that we're in control even if we didn't really know everything that was like everything the first time
0: yeah and like I think I I just I can't imagine the recording and composing process being not contrarian or not find because there's it's so much problem solving and so context dependent and so you know and like you have an idea and it's like well maybe at first like it seems like a bad idea to have melissa Etheridge on your album cover but like you don't know and like that with this with the skits it was like well that's kind of how we would feel with like a lot of our ideas was like bringing those to the table and being like well i don't know how this is going to be received and you know, like not all of our ideas are that, that ridiculous, but like, it kind of is a, like an exaggeration, a bit of mm-hmm. kind of a theme.
2: It was playing, it was like the logical end to all the questions or like all of the ideas that we'd floated like, and mm-hmm. already.
0: Such that like they weren't, no one was like
1: surprised. Yeah. Like <laughs> they bought it, line and,
2: and sinker as you can tell.
1: <laughs> yeah. I love that. I feel like that, um, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> uh, and I mean, I guess just kind of like expanding that discussion just to the general idea of humor in, the, in your music. I feel like it, it plays such a key role. And I think it does it in a way that seems, you know, to me who grew up like listening to Blink-182 and stuff, it does it in a way that seems very much more like fresh and like uh definitely a confidence in the way that you're presenting it as well and you know not like beating you over the head with it um so I'm curious like oh how do you go about adding that flair to the music and why is it like so important for you to have it there
2: I would say it's kind of like the seed like that everything starts with like usually like we laugh at something first and then we build like the song on Like the fact that we found it funny or whatever you know the song sex object for instance like we were like oh this is like kind of a funny idea and so that's why we decided to make it into a song or gross secret same same deal
0: but i find like that there's just like pure when you're laughing it's just joy you know it's like and it's so pure and it's so um like I've always kind of believed that in, in any any kind of like a good song, there's just an element that's kind of like joyful or some, something that it doesn't like have to be like in intention like an intentional calculated cool cool thing that like like I we've always just found our spark. I guess uh, elsewhere, you know, just in the, in the laugh, the laughter, like Lucy says, it's the the starting point.
2: Yeah. Like it really and... propels us along.
0: Yeah. That's like,
1: it really keeps us going. <laughs> so like,
2: it's like the gas in our car. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, with, I mean, I'm, we're like a year into this pandemic now i like, can you talk a little about like that role of, you know, trying to keep the fun up in an increasingly unsure, unfun world.
0: Unfun world, that's <laughs> a great way.
1: I mean, I think like,
2: not to read too much into it, and this isn't like pandemic specific, but like, I feel like a lot of gay people like have known how to use humor to like fit in or mm, deal with like the shittiness of life. Like, you know, especially like in the past when you're like a kid in like the early 2000s and people are like, you're gay. And you're like, okay, but like, if I make you laugh, you'll stop bullying me or like whatever. Or like you're like, you know, like, life is hard, I'm gay. Time to like joke around. So like, I feel like that's not like a completely bullshit line to draw between those two things, right? Like, so yeah, I think our our um finding humor in dark times comes partially from our gay experience. But also, it's kind of hard to say, right? because it's like, You know, you have to know, like, you can't laugh at other people. Like, you can only laugh at, you know, it's like punching down or punching up versus down or whatever. It's like, we're not going to be like making light of like somebody else's struggle or whatever. So it's like, you know, we're not necessarily going to put out an album like LOL COVID 19. But like, when we stay in our lane and laugh at like the things that affect us, like, I feel like that's kind of like they always said that was like the jackass principle like they only like fuck with each other not like random civilians and like that's that's us
0: except yeah bam with his
2: yeah <laughs> but that's not a our random parents.
0: civilian <laughs> 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 yeah our parents <laughs> but yeah totally loose and um i think that like laughter you know it's kind of like i think it triggers your vagus nerve it's good for like relaxation, you know, it's, it's, it's healthy too. It's like when you're laughing, it kind of all goes, goes away or something. It's like kind of a magical thing. So that, you know, learning to laugh as a coping mechanism and using humor to propel us forward, you know, I think it makes a lot of, a lot of sense, I guess.
1: Yeah. And I'm curious, what, what's like your, one of your favorite stories or one-liners that you've been able to fit into a song Oh <laughs> that's
2: a good question great question um right off the top of my heart in Longham McQuaid where we're talking about not letting the kid play the drums I I think I like that a lot
0: <laughs> yeah Longham McQuaid is a that's a fun one um I think like um I like uh in Rock is My Rock I don't care if it's a long way to the top <laughs>
2: I'm getting in there. Cuz rock is a rock. It's a rock. so non beautifully phrased. That's what. I'm careful. Care
1: <laughs> yeah, and I, I feel like one of my favorite uh examples of that is uh Fun for Everyone parentheses Minions. <laughs> uh, which is just so ridiculously catchy and I I would love to hear the story of how that how that one came to be. First of oh, all, yeah.
2: bless you for liking Minions. Real <laughs> fan. <laughs>
1: and i've never
2: seen the movie either yeah Yeah. so okay so i remember exactly when we came up with that one we were in germany we hadn't had any weed for a long time which is not ideal for us then we finally (laughs) went to this a nice um, person house sigma and we were sitting around the table smoking weed finally and then we thought of the idea of making a song called fun for everyone and then I think because we were so high with the Minions idea.
0: I think also, yeah, when I, I remember it being like an absurdist kind of like, just like, I feel so fucked up, like, that yeah, like we nothing having- makes sense. And like, if nothing makes sense, then I'm gonna do this,
2: you <laughs> know? <laughs> <laughs> also, it was also inspired by the Tegan and Sarah song in the Lego movie, everything is
0: Yeah just kind of like a, why, why shouldn't we, why yeah. not? I was just kind of a, a, like, it was contrarian as well. Like that, that kind of impulse to be like, tell me I can't. Well, even if you do, it's still going <laughs>
1: to, going to do it. <laughs> yeah. I, I feel like that also fits in well with like the, the memes of memes of memes of like minion memes, like Gen <laughs> yes. Gen Z kids making fun of <laughs> boomers, loving minions.
0: minions yeah, exactly. Yes. <laughs> Because they're like in Walmart and Dollarama and all (laughs) our
2: And we still haven't seen the movie. (laughs) I
1: I don't have a question with this statement, but I do have to say (laughs) that this is a very strangely specific thing, but I feel like Here I Am World would fit perfectly on the original Shrek soundtrack.
2: (laughs) Wow, Shrek, that's
1: awesome.
2: And thank you very much. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Right between
0: hallelujah
2: and, uh, and,
0: um, I, yeah, no, and, um,
2: I'm a uh, believer. I'm a believer. Yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And then I just, I like to wrap up every episode the same way, which is just by asking for a piece of advice or something you've been thinking about lately, whether it's, uh, music or life in general. Wow. That's awesome. awesome.
0: I gotta say, um, if you ever hear someone tell you about, um, breath holding as an anxiety, um, reducing practice, I would say, listen listen to them and explore it. Breath holding, breath holding, not nothing extreme, but like, so you inhale just like that. And it actually really, really works just in terms of, um, it, it, because it triggers your, your vagus nerve and your parasympathetic nervous system.
2: You and your yes, vagus nerve, <laughs>
0: but seriously, it's vagus means wandering, and so it, it affects your whole your whole body, and it also it's connected to your breathing, and um, it's triggered when you sing. That's why singing is so therapeutic because it's basically a long exhale, um, which triggers your vagus nerve. But it's it's the wandering nerve, and it connects to your lungs, on all your your vital. Or happens in, in
2: Vegas <laughs>
0: yeah <laughs> and triggers uh your parasympathetic nervous system which is your rest and digest and directly counteracts the sympathetic nervous system which we all kind of live in by default so it's a bit uh you know wordy but I gotta say <laughs> that shit works
2: <laughs> Lucy <laughs> I don't know if I can top that um
0: <laughs> I just gotta spread the word you know like i don't yeah, know it's been so, so much through your
2: vegas nerve <laughs>
0: just i've had anxiety my whole life though and it's like you know i had my first panic attack at like eight or something <laughs> you're like well what's that you know and to finally find something that
1: works yeah i feel like that's probably the most the most concise advice i've gotten on the pod. so <laughs> i dig it <laughs>
0: A bit random, but uh, (laughs) I was just doing my exercises before this, so it it was on my mind.
1: And that's that. Thanks so much to Partner for taking the time to talk and helping spread their own brand of joy. Give Never Give Up a spin today and let your troubles melt away, even if momentarily. I'll catch you back on Thursday with another great interview, and don't forget to enter the Fly on the Call giveaway today. Fly on the Call is brought to you by Sound Talent Media. A special thank you as always to The Alternate for helping to promote the show, Kaylin West of Tiny Stills for the theme song, and Michaela Jane for the artwork. You can keep up to date by subscribing to the podcast and following the show on Twitter and Instagram at flyinthecallpod. Feel free to email any questions, comments, or other feedback to me at flyinthecallpod at gmail.com. Never give up.